Morning, Mike. Hey there, Carl. Can you can you hear me okay? I can hear you. I hope you can hear me. <laughs> yes, I can. Okay, good. I'm here with uh, Mike Peros, the author of two biographies, one of Dan Duryea and one of Jose Ferrer, uh, both in the Hollywood Legends series, which uh, I edit for University. Let's start by your telling us just a little bit about yourself and then how you became a biographer. Okay, well, um, I'm uh, the, I work in Brooklyn. I'm the department, English department chair at Bishop Laughlin High School in Brooklyn. And uh, again, I've always been a huge movie fan, especially of things like Westerns and gangster films and film noirs and, uh, and musicals. I guess those are my major areas of concentration. And uh, what happened was uh, uh, I happened to have some free time and I went to, actually I went to a, um, uh, something at Lincoln Center. You were doing a, uh, you were doing a presentation on Dana Andrews. If yes. You know. And uh, I'd been tinkering with the notion of writing a book. A few people at work said, hey, maybe you should write a book. You're about something movie related. And uh, so a friend of mine told me about your, uh, your presentation and I went and uh, afterwards, in fact, uh, I got into a little chat with you and, uh, and I, I just threw out there, would you guys consider a book on Dan Duryea? Now, and um, the reason I, I thought about Duryea is because there hadn't been a book on him yet. And I was, I, enjoyed Duryea's work a lot. So, uh, and you were open to it. And then you, and then I just uh, did, you know, the, a letter of inquiry and then uh, the, uh, you know, the uh, research. And, uh, and then after that, uh, this led to, because uh, the resounding success of Duryea. <laughs> yes, yes. And I should, I should point, I, I should point out to listeners, you see how easy it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> just like that. You know, not for nothing. You the other thing, Carl. You know, uh, you know, I, you just come up to me and I just say, up. "How about it?" Yeah. And I say, "Sure, about, sure, we could use a book." Um, you know, just do, uh, you know, just do uh, the research, uh, the chapter breakdown, no problem. But um, and by, by the way, Carl, you know, when I, uh, you know, I, I'm so used to zo doing these. Uh, to Zoom, you know, in the class yeah. all year I've been doing Zoom. So uh, I knew deep down that this was a podcast, but still, you know, I, I showered, I shaved. Before. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what the heck am I doing this for? So yeah. once in a while I might just put on the camera just to admire myself. But anyway, uh, it's, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, um, and and that's, uh, you know, uh, and one thing led to another and uh, that's, uh, that's how I did, uh, yeah. So, yes. so some of I think some of my listeners probably don't. They may have a vague idea who Danderye was. Sure. Um, I have my own sense of him. I'll say a little bit about that. But tell us a little bit about Derye. Well, you know, uh, Derye his his main claim to fame was being uh, was his villainy. I mean, uh, if you wanted a silky smooth menace, or if you wanted a boisterous cackling menace, uh, Derye was uh, one of the go-to guys. What happened was uh, he, uh, he, his first film uh, was 1941 Little Foxes and he had done that on Broadway. 
And he was one of the cast members who was brought along into the film. And one of the good things about Little Foxes is that it really showcases Duryea because they make some, some changes that really highlight his character, some additions. But Duryea caught on. And when I think of Duryea, I think of uh, Scarlet Street, yeah. of Woman in the Window. I, I, I think of uh, Chris Cross, where his villainy is more understated, a little smoother. But uh, again, he's just effective in Criss Cross as he is in, uh, in Scarlet Street. Who do you think was meaner, Dan Berrier or uh, Richard Widmark? Well, <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen Widmark do some- I hate to put things. you on the spot. No, no I, I've seen Widmark do some pretty hideous things in movies. And, uh, yeah. and uh, actually, uh, you know, there was a short time where Duryea would be and Widmark would be either, uh, you know, uh, interwoven in viewers' minds. And Duryea at one point would carry uh, a card, you know, because I think he and Widmark were friends or at least friendly. And he said, no, I'm not Richard Widmark, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I, you know, I mean, with Widmark, he was, I think, better able to navigate between being a bad guy and being a good guy. Uh, but although I think Widmark was always more interesting being uh, the villain, but that's another story. The, uh, yeah. the, uh, but, you know, with Duryea, uh, you know, one of the first movies I saw him in besides little foxes was a movie called uh, ride clear of Diablo uh, with Audie Murphy. Oh yeah. And he's, you know, this likable, gregarious outlaw who, you know, is, is friends, becomes friendly with the guy who's trying to put him in jail, Audie Murphy. And, um, you know, he, he goes along with Murphy wherever he's going. And for a while, he's not, you know, he doesn't care if Murphy gets shot or not. He's just there for the entertainment value. Uh, and uh, by the end of the movie, he redeems himself. And everything he does in the movie, it's, uh, it's, it's out there, but... He's very likable and it's very believable and it's very enjoyable. So, uh, but he also is that your is that your favorite Duryea role or do you have another? That's one, one of them. Uh, yeah, crisscross is another one. Uh, I I like him in the Burglar. You know, I um, mm -hmm. the uh, because you know I, I like the his uh, he, he wears this world weariness uh, sense of integrity. He projects the the conflict, uh, his inner conflict with Jane Mansfield. Although honestly, uh, which should have gotten him an Oscar right there, because uh, when you've got Jane Mansfield as your ward, and you're thinking, <laughs> "Gee, do I do anything with Jane?" I mean, the, the fact that he was able <laughs> to portray that, yeah, and you know, make the audience believe it, because I'm sure a lot of people were thinking, "Really? Come on, it's Jane Mansfield." I mean, I know she's. Uh, She's uh, deglamorized a little bit, but it's still uh, Jane Mansfield. So. Sure, yeah. He. Um, one of the things I like about your book is is the the uh, energy that you have uh, in you in the way you you really you know move in and out of the films. That can be you know in some movie books, film books, whether the biographies or not. Sometimes that can be a bit of a slog with plot summaries and this and that. 
but you managed to bring it off to move, you know, from one project to the other without sort of losing the thread of who this actor is. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a really great part. I wanted to say something about the little foxes because um, I got interested in Duryea when I was doing a biography of Lillian Hellman. And of course, Little Foxes is her play. Uh, and she was also, you know, quite, uh, quite important as a screenwriter as well. And the thing about Duryea's uh, performance, I think, in The Little Foxes is he's kind of like a villain on a learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. he's, he's young, his, he's under his father's thumb, his father is just an incredible villain. Sure. And, you know, the boy's got to learn. Yeah. Although, you know, even even in, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know how much of it is in the play, but in the movie, uh, there are some things that even Leo won't do. Uh, I mean, yeah. they're pushing him into uh, into marriage with his first cousin, uh, Teresa Wright. And he's like, I, I don't think so. I don't, know if it, <laughs> I don't think it's any sense of nobility. It's just that he, he, he wants to sow his wild oats. He's not, you know, he's not interested in settling down. It's a very, you know, it's a very, very funny performance. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is so, Duryea is so amusing. Yes. And, and that's, that's a talent too, you know, not to make the villain simply villainous, but to be really interested in the sort of the quirks of the character. He was so good at that. Yeah. I mean, again, it, uh, he was very effective uh, and, uh, Yes, and again, yeah, he was very funny. You you'd see him also uh, uh, in his career do a few sitcoms, and uh, yeah. uh, he was on a Spring Byington, December Bride, uh, kind of playing himself. And he did a, uh, a a lampoon of himself on the Jack Benny Show. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's one of those lunch counter murders. Yeah. yeah, very good at parodying himself. Now. In, you know, you deal with the person, the, the human being as well. Uh, and I think when one reads the book, one might even be surprised at the kind of person Duryea was off screen. You might want to say something about yeah, that. Yeah, well, uh, for one thing, he was happily married. Uh, he, he got married, I think, in 1931, uh, 32. And he was married, uh, you know, uh, for 35 years until his wife, uh, Helen, passed away. And uh, he was a father, you know two sons. He, uh, he was a scout master. He was a member of the PTA. He'd host showings of his films, screenings of his films at his home. He was uh, an avid gardener. He was a, uh, he enjoyed boating. So uh, when he had the money and the wherewithal, he got a place up in uh, Lake Arrowhead and was able to, uh, in, indulge in some uh, sailing and some boat racing. And uh, again, he, he was, uh, you know, let's just say completely antithetical to his screen persona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating to see yeah. that. Um, he, he reminds me a bit of Dana Andrews in that he was solid, yeah. you know. He didn't have what Andrews had, which was this terrible drinking yeah. problem for many years. But in spite of that drinking problem, Andrews was a wonderful uh, family man. He was, you know, he was a great sailor. Uh, he had really no interest in all the Hollywood uh, glitter and glitz and all the rest of it. Uh, he he wasn't that way at all. And and Duryea does not seem to have been that way either. Yeah, although I think uh, 
and Derry also was, uh, he was also good for an interview. You know, when people wanted to speak to him, he was ready. <laughs> he had a, he had a really good relationship with, uh, uh, the Hollywood, uh, with Hollywood reporters, uh, which kind of helped him at a, at a later stage in his life. But, uh, and, you know, occasionally they would write articles about how, what a nice guy he was and what a pleasant guy and how he was completely different from his on-screen image. And the fans would say, no, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear it. We, yeah. it's, it's because, you know, when you think of today's climate, Carl, uh, yeah. you know, one wonders how, I mean, someone like Derry would be perceived if he was, you know, uh, coming into prominence today. I mean, his, for a while, his main claim to fame was that uh, if you were in a Derrier film uh, and you were a woman, chances are you'd be slapped. Uh, yeah. Whether you were Joan yeah. Bennett, or Dorothy Lamour, Yvonne De Carlo. And, uh, but that, when he was slapping women around, that's when his uh, fan letters were at its peak. And many of these came from women. For whatever reason, enjoy seeing yeah. this. Men weren't writing these letters. Women. Uh, so it was. So periodically, he'd, he'd try to, put, you know, share with the public, "Hey, I'm just a, I'm a decent fella, family man," and and uh, the publics would say, "Yeah, I guess we know that, but we'd much prefer you. <laughs> don't ruin that image for us." I. I don't know if one of my other subjects, Sylvia Plath, ever saw Dan Duryea, but I suspect she did because she went to a lot of movies and she liked Hollywood movies. And I, when you're talking about slapping women around, so when I think of her line, every woman adores a fascist. Yeah, yeah I mean, so. and, and, you know, Carl, sometimes this, uh, you know, it would sometimes come back to haunt him. The, uh, like when Dorothy Lamore did Manhandled with him, you know, she, uh, you know, she was a little reluctant to do it uh, because, you know, of Dan Derrier's renown or infamy. You know, I, I'm sure uh, Morris was around enough to know that a lot of these things are faked, you know, and you got, but yeah, still. Yeah. Um, and later, I think Jean Arthur was doing her uh, uh, a sitcom in the, in the early 60s. And uh, Dan Derrier's name came up to be on her show. And she said no <laughs> because of because of his <laughs> reputation. But my God, doesn't she read the papers? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's funny. I have found in the history of Hollywood that actors are taken in too. That is, they they see someone's screen image and and they will sometimes assume that well, that's what that you know that actor is like right. in person. Curious. It's, Very uh, odd. It's, uh, but yeah. But again, you know the uh, what. Uh, toward the end of his life when Derrier was suffering from cancer and he was still working on Peyton Place, uh, he, with the help of uh, the Hollywood press, managed to keep it kind of quiet. You know, they were respectful of his wishes that he just, you know, you know finish up his job and then, uh, you know, I guess just do what he's got to do. So, you know, yeah, a remarkable, remarkable actor and remarkable yeah, human yeah. being. Yeah, very much so. But you're not a one. I am not a one subject biographer. Oh. So let's get on. Oh, to can, the I, next uh, can I? Before I get to Jose, I just want you know. Uh, yeah. One of the things yeah. you know, uh, and I guess it has to do with Jose too. Uh, 
finding uh, not only a subject, but you know, you don't you don't want it to just be uh, you know a recitation of his films and some press clippings and cobbled together. You, you do want to get insights into the man. So I was I was lucky enough with with Durier to uh, to speak to some of his co-stars like Robert Fuller and Earl Holloman, but also I got in contact with his son uh, Richard Durier, and he was a tremendous help. Uh, you know, with photos and stories. And he also directed me toward other people who could fill in a little bit of, of, uh, of Derrier the man. So. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. that. That's a really important aspect of your book. I, I forgot yeah. to bring that up. So, so uh, you want to ask about Jose? Hi, Jose. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a, a second topic for my book and I'm, um, uh, and like for me, in order for me to sit, you know, and do the research for a book, because, you know, Carl, it takes a lot of time. It takes travel. It yeah. takes uh, if if you're lucky, your subject will have uh, letters, papers somewhere like Derrier had his papers at uh, USC, um, you know, the uh, Cinematic uh, Arts Library at uh, University of Southern California. And. Like there was so much there, so I was when I was looking for my second subject, I, you know, I'm thinking of various people, uh, and I was thinking about Jose Ferrer because I liked his work, and he had never had a book. There was never a major biography about Jose Ferrer. And I said that's odd. So uh, I uh, I did a little, you know. Uh, some brief research. I found that his papers were at uh, Boston University, you know, uh, covering his whole career. And also there was, there were many materials at the Performing Arts Library at Lincoln Center. So, you know, again, I, I, I gave you guys my idea and, uh, and did some research. And, uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was, his his career had an interesting arc. I mean, he shot out of the cannon as you know Broadway wonder wunderkind, uh, Hollywood. You know, he was a you know jack of all trades in Hollywood. Oh my goodness, he was directing. He was unofficially co-writing. He was starring. He was uh, and like the 1950s up until the mid 1950s, he could do no wrong. And then came the late 1950s with, uh, you know, the plays that didn't work out so well with uh, his possibly alienating some producers. So he had a, he had a bit of a fallow period. But the other thing was uh, uh, with Durier, I mean, he had a very stable home life, you know, uh, whereas Ferrer was married five times. Uh, you know, uh, and twice to Rosemary Clooney, <laughs> and uh, apparently his his last marriage uh, to Stella Ferrer, Stella McGee, was was um, fairly happy and content. But again, there was a lot of drama in Ferrer's life between his career, between his marriages, <laughs> between the competition among between spouses. Uh, there was, you know, so. The more I dug, the more I said, "Wow, this this is make a pretty good book." And I think I, you probably remember this. Uh, originally, is it was, was going to have this title, 
of, of foreboding, master of all but his fate, because it 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 uh, it reflect uh, it alludes to something he had said that you know I can do this and I can do that, but I can't control everything. He said that at a yeah. down time in his career, but the more I read about Ferrer, the more I researched. He he was a survivor, you know. He whatever cards were dealt him, uh, you know. If he couldn't work on Broadway, he would work either off Broadway or he'd help uh, cultivate new talent. If he couldn't get a starring role, he would take supporting roles. If he couldn't get starring roles in A movies, he took supporting roles in A movies, in B movies, uh, and then some that are just you know. When, when I look at some of the things he did, uh, I mentioned in my preface, Dracula's dog, uh, which, you know, uh, which I've seen, it's very entertaining. But there are others uh, um, that are not entertaining. Uh, he did a film with James Earl Jones, which was just oh, deplorable. I mean, it was filmed in Greece. It's, it's called Blood Tide, but I don't want to repeat that because I don't want to, to you know, encourage people to see. But it's 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 terrible, and it's and there's so much of it. So, I mean, the only half decent thing is that it's it is filmed in Greece. So I said, oh, look at that, Greece is pretty, uh, and I'm sure that's why Ferrer took the part. So, but you know, the other thing, uh, pardon me for babbling, but uh, when I was doing the research. Uh, I wanted to get in contact with a family member. And at first uh, I tried to reach Miguel Ferrer and his reps got back to me and uh, they said, you know, well, M Miguel never does interviews, never talks about his father and it, it's, it's not a good time. I, I subsequently found out that, I mean, he had been suffering from cancer. Uh, I mean, he, he mm -hmm. died not long after I began researching in earnest. So uh, but I knew he had some other, uh, I knew he had other children. I knew he had a, 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 a widow, surviving widow. And um, so, I mean, can I talk about this process of trying to get into contact with him? All right. All right. Sure. So sure. I used things like People Finder and Spokio, you know, to, to try to locate people. And so I yes. located a, a Stella McGee. And, you know, when you use that, it's like they, they tell you their, their previous addresses and who they may, you know, uh, you know, here I am, I'm gesticulating in front of the computer call. So, <laughs> the, uh, so I find Stella McGee and I actually, uh, I got an address and I wrote her a letter and, uh, and uh, I sent some, uh, some clippings, uh, reviews from the Dan Derrier book, figured that would impress her. And uh, actually, she got back to me. Now she got back to mm -hmm. me. And for a few months, she was kind of teasing me with, yes, she's uh, from Britain and she still has a British accent. So she would say, oh, yes, uh, Michael, uh, yes, uh, Joe and I, of course, we had an interesting life together. And she would hint that she would help me. Uh, yes, I, and then like two months later, I get this call saying, uh, 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 this is Stella, and 
I'm sorry, Michael. I, I, I can't help you. I just, I, you know, it, 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 before Joe passed away, he was working on a, his own autobiography. So I'm going to work with uh, his collaborator and, and write a book about his career, focusing on his career. And that was it from Stella. Yeah. So, yeah. but I know we had kids and I was trying to locate, uh, there's uh, Monsita Ferrer who uh, now her husband is a producer, Terry Botwick. So I, I messaged him. He's on Facebook. Monsita isn't. So I, I messaged him and I said, hey, hi, Terry. This is my pearls, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to get in touch with your wife, this and that. You know, I want to write a bio of her father. Can you put me in contact with her? And then she contacted me <laughs> and was very, she loved talking about her father she uh, and uh, she, she was one of his uh, daughters with Rosemary Clooney. So uh -huh. uh, when I was out in California, she didn't, she lived in Beverly Hills at the time. So I drove there. Uh, we had a lovely chat. She had some photos. Her sister Maria was there, was visiting. So she joined in. She, she gave me uh, the phone number of her brother, uh, Raphael, who lives in Connect Connecticut, so you know, you, you, what, and you know this call. You you reach one person, and that leads you to others. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. A kind of networking, and I think a lot of the people listening, many of them are biographers, and probably have similar experiences. You yeah. got to keep at it, and you never never know when that one connection is going to open up a whole yeah. bunch of. Connections. I mean, even uh, with Ferrer's life, I mean, he. Uh, you know, born in Puerto Rico, uh, you know, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, came to New York. His parents brought him to New York. He went to Princeton. He was very young. He was, uh, you know, a child prodigy. So they even had to send him. Uh, uh, he was ready for Princeton at, I don't know, nine. I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. his parents in Princeton sent him away for a year of seasoning, uh, sent him abroad to school. And... He, he was just a dynamo. I mean, he he led uh, a band at college, uh, a swing band uh, uh, where J uh, Jimmy Stewart was uh, one of the vocalists <laughs> and an accordion player. Yeah. Uh, but again, as you say, networking, he, you know, uh, he was friends with Josh Logan yeah. and Jimmy Stewart. So yeah. when he decided to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chuck his dream of uh, being an architect or, or an educator. Uh, you know, he 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 got a gig. Uh, you know, uh, a few gigs, and then, you know, his his breakthrough with uh, Charlie's Aunt, and then, uh, you know, he did some musical comedies. I think he he uh, he substituted for Danny Kaye and Let's Face It for a few months, and then uh, with Othello. You know, uh, with his wife, uh, with Uta Hagen. So, and then Othello led to a period of Broadway success with Cyrano, and then Cyrano the play led to a Hollywood contract. Um, right. And but he, the way, you know, in the fifties he was juggling. You know, he he would do yeah. film, he would yeah. direct a show, he would act in a show. Uh, do you remember the, the bandwagon yeah. where? Uh, uh, in the bandwagon, there's this the character Jeffrey Cordova, who's 
he's got like three or four shows running at the same time. Uh, you know, he's directing three shows, acting in Oedipus Rex. Uh, and I think when he's Fred Astaire is told he's acting in the show and Astaire says only one. And, uh, and, but, you know, with, with Ferrer, in the early fifties, he, he, he had four shows on Broadway at the same time. He was acting in one of them and there was a movie, anything can happen playing on Broadway, uh, theater marquees. So. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's marvelous, both, um, in terms of biography and especially the mix of biography and doing a yeah. biography of an actor, you see someone like Dana Andrews in a uh, film yeah. noir, Laura, and he's playing a detective, uh, a New Yorker, uh, a guy who's born in Texas, uh, who is, of course, loses that Texas accent, but who would associate that character with this kid who came out of Texas. Now you have Jose Ferrer, a Puerto Rican, who for me, signature role growing up, I saw him on TV do this, yes. Cyrano. Cyrano de Bergerac, you know, this fellow born in Puerto Rico uh, who comes to the attention of various important people. It's also the story, believe it or not, in a sense, of Alexander Hamilton, who's, you know, comes from the West Indies <laughs> out of nowhere with a, you know, with a brilliance, you know, that George Washington says, God, this guy, he's a soldier. He can fight. He can do all these different things. I can make him secretary of the treasury. I mean, Ferrer was that kind of person. Let me tell you one more thing. I don't know if you know this about uh, Ferrer, it's it's really not important even for your biography, but it was important to me as a Faulkner biography. You know, William Faulkner was a fan oh, of Ferrer. I, I, that, I did not know. Cyrano was his favorite character in literature. Faulkner identified with Cyrano. I won't get into all the reasons why he identified with Cyrano, but when, when Ferrer played Cyrano in New York, Faulkner went to a few plays, but he, he, he didn't care that much for play going or that, that kind of thing. But he made it a point to go see Ferrer and Cyrano. Uh, that was really very, that was an important thing uh, for him to do. Uh, and I remember as a kid growing up, I mean, I wanted to be an actor. And one of the reasons is watching yeah, they would, Ferrer. Uh, uh, they would show Cyrano an awful lot. Uh, in New York, they would show it on uh, Channel 9. And then uh, at a certain point, when Channel 13, Channel 21, and public television, uh, they were uh, showing old films, uh, Cyrano became like a staple. <laughs> All right, Cyrano yeah, de Bergerac. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, hold on prayer. But I've, you know, yeah. I've, also, I've shown Cyrano <laughs> to my, uh, my classes. And again, I teach, uh, I teach high school. And a lot of these students are not into black and white films. But when I show yeah. Cyrano, they they enjoy it. They uh, they they are moved by the uh, not only the the balcony scene but also uh, the uh, the act uh, th the last twenty minutes of uh, you know when he's in his decline uh, and it's just uh, yeah yeah moved. and again it's just it's just a powerful film and. Uh, I'm glad to see that it still resonates with uh, 
with people today. Yeah, very much so. So is this it for you? Your career is ended as a biographer well, or are you going uh, to do another one? No, you know, uh, I think uh, I think I'd like to do another one. I'm I am torn, but uh, I, right now uh, I'm thinking about uh, the actor Jack Palance. So I'm I'm oh, uh, yeah. you know yeah. one of the, one of the frustrations for me is that uh, because of the pandemic I haven't been able to get out to California. Uh, you know oh, yeah. again USC uh, the uh, uh, Margaret Herrick uh, Library. I mean, these are, are the places I would go. And uh, although I've been able to find some things online, uh, that you, you find so much more there. So at some point when I get back out there, uh, I can, you know, augment my, my research. Uh, but yeah, I, that's what yeah. I was thinking about. Uh, because for me, it has to be someone I want to spend some time with and someone who... Uh, Absolutely. Well, there's a, a where there's just so much material, uh, and uh, and actually, I I became uh, friendly with Sean Young, the actress Sean Young, uh, when I was researching uh, Jose Ferrer, and uh, she she told me that she knew one of uh, Palance's daughters. So uh, uh, that's exactly what what really motivates a biographer you're working on one project and they say oh i know so and so you think mm, yeah can i, can I can share a quick uh, funny story with, uh, uh, sean young yeah. so uh, yeah, go ahead. uh it it's uh again a number of years ago when i'm I, I see that sean young was in uh dune with jose ferrer and also played his wife in a tv miniseries blood and orchids and uh and uh so i said well you know maybe uh you know, she'd be a, a good person to contact and she had a website so there was a phone number on a website and you know it's it it said hi this is sean leave a message that's <laughs> all so, so we played telephone tag <laughs> for a few months during the summer and uh and she's interested in talking to me and and it, I, we, we'd never speak in person just leaving phone messages and uh, so finally, uh, I was in Florida. I'd come back from Florida on a Thursday night. And uh, I hadn't, you know, I wasn't aware of what was going on in, in the world or in New York. But I, 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 I leave a message with Sean saying, hey, Sean, this is Mike. I'm back in town. would love to speak to you. Uh, the next day, Carl, the very next day, Sean Young is on all the covers, uh, uh, newspaper covers. Uh, because apparently there was something regarding, uh, uh, you know, she, she had some kind of uh, problem, which has since been resolved. But she, all over the yeah. headlines and and the the new the, in every article, it was saying police are trying to contact uh, Miss Young, but she hasn't responded. So I'm thinking, oh, that's it. She's on the run. I'm never gonna that day call <laughs> that day. There's a message on my phone from Sean. Hi, this is Sean. Yeah. Well, oh, she's she a message. You know, it's been a, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad time, but, uh, you know, just, uh, I'll, you know, I'll try to, I'll, I'll try to contact you in the future. And, and subsequently we do. And, uh, and the first thing she talks about 
with Jose Ferrer is uh, that she had said something about, uh, she'd mentioned the uh, uh, the HU uh, House of Un-American Activities Committee. She, she mentioned that. And he kind of yeah. like withdrew a little bit, after, you know, at first. And uh, so, and she wasn't sure why. And then their, their relationship warmed up, but one of the things I spoke to her about was uh, Jose Ferrer and his appearance and, and, and how he was trying to walk a tightrope and because uh, he was Uta Hagen's husband. Who, who, she was named in Red Channels and Paul Robeson, who, you know, uh, again, uh, was, got into a lot of uh, career trouble. And uh, so he was trying to walk that, you know, walk a fine line. And, but sure. I found afterwards, you know, doing the research that, you know, it's not so much as his trying to dance around naming names or whatever it is, but he also came off in favor of what the committee was doing. And he, he disappointed a lot. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't really please anyone. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so that's, and, you know, he had a, uh, it, it had an estrangement with Arthur Miller. He had been friends with Arthur Miller. Then that, you know, t it took a while to repair that uh, bridge. So again, you know, but you know, you, you dig into things and, and uh, you, you find out a lot of things when you're doing a, you find out about the period, you find out about the person relationships. It's uh, I mean, it's fascinating work being a biographer. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's fascinating so, and it's I mean, obsessive. I, yes. <laughs> yeah. How, how many have you written about? 97 biographies? How many? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but, I mean, it's, a, it's a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, what what it's, do you? What's, uh, have, uh, is, uh, what's your, uh, are you uh, working on something at the moment? Are you? Uh... Right. Well, I, I'm working on several projects, non that aren't film projects, but I'm going to get to eventually within, oh, probably a year or so, I'll at least begin work. I want to yeah, do that's, yes. Of uh, you know, that's, uh, I think he'd make a, good, a very good subject. <laughs> yeah, no one's really done a full biography. His daughter wrote about him, uh, but he just, he made the transition from the silence to, to sound, sound film. He was the model for many actors, uh, like, not just men like Dana Andrews, but Susan Hayward listed him as her model for motion picture acting. So I want to get into all that, how this guy really, you know, he wins the first Academy Award for Bulldog Drummond. I mean, yeah. there's, lot, there are lots, there's lots there. I look forward to reading it. Lots, lots there. Okay. So both of us are going to keep going, listeners. And Mike, thank, well, thank you very you much. Call. This has been a lot of fun. And we'll, well, thanks we'll very much. If you write another book, you, you take good care. Okay. Bye bye. You too. Bye.